Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Gardening in Canada podcast. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm a soil scientist. That means we take all that science and apply it to plants. Today's video talking about bone meal and blood meal. Let's just jump straight into it. Hello plant people, how are you guys doing? So today's video, we're going to be talking about bone meal and blood meal, or sorry, I should say podcast. And if you watch the video, I did break them down into two separate ones. I did a bone meal video and a blood meal video separately. However, truth be told, they kind of should be combined together. So that's what we're going to do here on the podcast. There are some things that you should be warned about when it comes to both of these products. And then there are some benefits to using the products as well. So we're going to start off with eeny, meeny, miny, mo bone meal. Now, bone meal is uh, primarily nitrogen-based product, but it has some calcium and phosphorus. And big surprise there, calcium and phosphorus comes from the fact that it is ground down animal bones. Um, the, the important thing to remember here is that soils in North America, for the most part, are not calcium deficient um, or magnesium deficient. So this addition really isn't going to do much unless you have a heavily agriculture intensive type garden homestead which may be the case for market gardeners or continuous croppers out there but for your average gardener a calcium deficiency is highly unlikely now i often get asked the question well what do you mean that's where blossom and rot comes from and you wouldn't be wrong blossom and rot is a calcium deficiency however fun fact it's not actually a calcium deficiency Generally, it's a pH issue in your soil, meaning your pH is too high or too low for calcium absorption to take place. So if you did not know, all plant nutrients has a bioavailability spectrum, meaning it becomes bioavailable at different pHs. Whether that be a low pH or a high pH, it just kind of depends on the nutrients you're aiming for. But a good rule of thumb is around a 6.5 pH wise is ideal for calcium and magnesium uptake. Another really fun fact is if you are continually having issues with blossom and rot and you are starting your seedlings from home um, in your greenhouse, there's actually a high likelihood that the calcium deficiency is developing at the seedling stage. So a majority of us 
gardeners will grow in either a peach or a coconut coir based mix. And then we will bump it up into different seed starter mixes uh, depending on the brand. Now the issue here is that it doesn't have soil in it, meaning it doesn't have that glacial rock that has been ground down and has bioavailable calcium, meaning that the seedling from the get-go is calcium deficient. So if you have a, a soilless medium that you're growing in or seed starting in, adding bone meal and that calcium can be beneficial only if it is bioavailable, meaning it's available for plant uptake and there's no other de degradation that needs to take place. So the raw the form, powder, um, granular, bone meal, all is going to have a, a longer time period in which the degradation takes place, right? So kind of makes sense. Um, if you can get like a liquid bone meal option, this is always the better option here but that is something to keep in mind. Now, calcium deficiency in seedlings, the best way to just deter this in general is just with a liquid uh, calcium magnesium fertilizer that's inorganic or organic, either or will work. I find generally using granulars and that sort of thing in especially this seed starting trays never works out the way you intend it to. It uh, just it takes a longer period of time, unfortunately. So that is something to keep in mind, but it is something that bone meal provides. Keep in mind, it is a slow release, meaning it takes time for those nitrogens and calciums and phosphorus to be, re be released from the system, but it does happen eventually. The other big claim with bone meal is that it helps increase root activity. So this is true, but I do think it's like a literary literary misinterpretation. So because of the higher levels of phosphorus, anything that has bone meal in its rhizosphere is going to naturally have more root biomass. And this is due to the phosphorus. Phosphorus builds roots. And this isn't a bad thing when it comes to seedlings. It lessens transplant shock and it can develop a healthier plant in general. Where it ends up kind of nipping us in the butt is if we're using mycorrhizal fungi um, or any sort of, whether that be ecto or endomycorrhizal fungi, or we're using uh, phosphate cellulizing bacterias, that sort of thing. So if we're putting our hard earned money into these products and then we're using bone meal alongside them, this excess phosphorus means that the bacteria and the fungi will not be activated. So plants have something they like to release called exudates. These are basically like sugars. And if they want McDonald's for supper, they're going to release these sugars that call in McDonald's. Um, in this case, it'd be phosphorus. So with phosphorus being present in the soil, the plant never gets the signal to release the sugars to call in the bacteria or the fungi that solubilize more phosphorus from the soil. So this means that the excess phosphorus in the rhizosphere will leave fungi spores or bacteria dormant. Now for fungi spores, this isn't a big deal because spores are tough. They will survive for years, meaning that when your soil finally does become deficient, then the spores will be activated. The issue may be with bacteria, which can survive in 
extreme circumstances, but generally speaking, if they're not activated or they're not multiplying, they don't have a food source, then they, they tend to die off um, and the colonies will eventually disappear. Now, how long this takes, the time frame you have for this to work within, it all is going to depend on obviously the type of bacteria you're using. So I do not recommend using bone meal if you're using a mycorrhizal fungi product beside it. And all intents and purposes, when it comes to these mycorrhizal products, I did a YouTube video on how to read these products. And I also um, encourage you guys to look into this a little bit more just on your own. But generally speaking, for exotic plants like houseplants and that sort of thing, I would choose bone meal over using a mycorrhizal uh, fungi because I just don't see any data to suggest that the uh, symbiosis is being achieved just because the species aren't there yet. Now, one thing to keep in mind is when it comes to fruits and vegetables that your growing season, if it's shorter, may not be long enough to allow the myco to actually establish well enough to make any sort of difference. So again, you may cho choose bone meal over the mycorrhizal fungi products. The one where I am totally on the fence and I likely would suggest mycorrhizal fungi products over bone meal would be anything that is shrub, bush, or tree in nature, or perennial for that matter. And that's because trees and bush, brush, all benefit from myco first and foremost, beyond benefiting from the excess loss. So save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. plants we want to establish this mycelium network they're there for long term because they're a perennial so this is something that I would aim for whenever possible so with that being said um, with bone meal use with caution it is effective to use in a soilless medium coconut coir peat moss container gardening house plants that sort of thing seed starting and I would not use it if I'm transplanting a perennial, a tree, a bush, that sort of thing. However, you may want to consider using it if you're transplanting um, outdoors because that excess foss that is now available to that plant, maybe it's placed right into the hole when, when you go to transplant, is all going to aid in root development. Next on the list is blood meal. So blood meal is obviously dried blood. This is the dried blood generally from the slaughterhouse. So it can range from pig to chicken to cow's blood. It just all depends. This product is high in nitrogen and has some phos, but isn't nearly as high in phosphorus as the bone meal. So you can see how these work hand in hand. A full spectrum fertilizer is going to have N, P, and K, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And when we combine the two, we get a full spectrum type fertilizer. This is why I think that the two 
should be combined if we're looking for an effective organic fertilizer that has a little bit of everything. Now, one thing to keep in mind, because it is so high in nitrogen, and I'm talking some of these products can be so shockingly high for organic products, that is for sure, it can affect our carbon to nitrogen ratios. So because of the excess nitrogen and the lack of carbon being added, it can throw this ratio off. This means it can then affect natural microbial activity or just decomposition in our soil, but it also can simultaneously affect fungi and bacteria growth and colonies in our soils. Now, this isn't something we commonly see when we're adding compost or vermicast or anything of that nature because we're adding both the NPK along with the carbon. However, with blood meal and bone meal even combined, it has some carbon, but not much compared to an actual compost or manure. So this means I highly recommend actually incorporating a compost into your regimen if you're using blood and bone meal. The exception to this would be if you are using a container garden or a soilless medium such as peat or coconut coir. This again just goes back to the fact that blood and bone meal is designed for container gardeners or for soilless medium growing such as houseplants. And this is the perfect situation to use these products in because of the fact that they have excess carbon in them and just blood and bone meal interact well. Now keep in mind whether, regardless of what you're doing, whether it be producing food such as leafy greens or fruits and veg in containers or growing houseplants in these products or in these mediums, you have to keep in mind that the soil needs to be moist. There's no more letting the soil dry out over time and then watering when you see the leaves begin to droop, especially for you houseplant folk out there. You do want to make sure you keep that soil moisture really high because you want to keep your microbes happy and multiplying. You need decomposition to take place, you need nutrient cycling to take place, and this stops every time you let the moisture disappear. So I highly recommend not allowing that moisture to get below 20%. Now, kind of an exciting um, thing, announcement, I guess technically the podcast is going to be the first crowd to even hear these words out of my mouth, but I've been working for over uh, six months to almost a year now on a product that actually tests for soil moisture, soil pH, and all that sort of stuff. Now, this is meant for houseplant people, container gardeners. Um, and that kind of crude cannabis as well, anything indoors, and because it needs a Wi-Fi connection as of right now. I mean, we're working on improvements to make this a more universal product. But nonetheless, um, it is Canadian designed, it's designed by me and a team of Canadian engineers, and it's actually built and manufactured in Canada as well, which is kind of cool. So this plant sensor is gonna work with an app, and it's actually, I've designed it, to go off when your soil moisture gets to 20%, just in and around 30 to 20%, because I don't want people's soil drying out. And if you're able to do this before this product comes to the market, we're expecting it to be available mid-June, but it's only gonna have limited quantities. So if you don't get your hands on it, don't be heartbroken, but try to do your best to not let that soil moisture get below that 30%. 
you will be blown away by the results you see, especially, especially if you are using organic fertilizers such as blood and bone meal, for an example. But anyways, I digress. A little bit more on blood meal. It can cause unwanted visitors if you put it in outdoors. Um, I've read lots on the fact that dogs, cats, fox, raccoons, any sort of omnivore, carnivore can smell this stuff and will come into the area and it can cause a little bit of a mess. But one uh, really fun fact about the blood meal is that it provides iron and this is because of the hemoglobin in blood. Obviously, hemoglobin carries iron and therefore when it is made into a plant product, it becomes something that's available to the plant. So this is one of the 17 essential nutrients. I did an entire series over on YouTube where I went through all 17 essential nutrients, where they come from, what roles they play, and this is a nutrient that is used regardless, houseplant, gardeners, you name it. And so blood meal does have that. So ultimately, bottom line, my recommendation if you are to use blood or bone meal is to use it in a soil-less medium, meaning coconut coir or peat moss, something of that nature. It is designed for container gardeners. It is designed for houseplant people. I would use it with caution in an outdoor situation, especially if you're spending the money on mycorrhizal fungi or if you know you have critters in the area. Keep in mind it is a slow-release fertilizer that needs microbial activity to actually cycle those nutrients. So follow the instructions, you can't get burning from these products, so there's no way to really over apply. However, I have heard some reports of blood meal burning plants. I don't know if that's due to the salt content in the actual blood. Very confusing idea to me because technically speaking, organic fertilizer should never ever ever burn your plants. So I don't know where those statements are coming from. I've personally never seen this happen, but if you have seen blood meal burn your plants, please reach out to me over on Instagram or Facebook. Just look up Gardening in Canada and let me know. I'd be interested in knowing your guys' thoughts on that. But anyways, be sure to come visit me over on other platforms. Say hi. Um, let me know you found me through the podcast. I've had people actually reach out now officially over on Instagram and DM me saying that they found me via the podcast, which is really, really, really cool um, because honestly, I thought the podcast, I didn't know anyone listened to this, to be totally honest. It's a little bit of a side project and I kind of enjoy it more than YouTube. Is that weird? I don't know. But anyways, I want to thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in. Have a very awesome springtime season and I will talk to you guys next week. See ya. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.